Hey, Kyle here. I'm so excited for part two of our four-part series called Stories We Tell, where we're looking at prophecies and promises that are found in the Old Testament and how they are fulfilled in the new through the birth of Jesus. So how do we capture the hope that the birth of Jesus is supposed to bring in this cultural moment? In a world filled with hype, the birth, the, the story of Jesus seems almost underwhelming at times. So the core of our story today is about how Herod reacted to the news of the birth of Jesus. So Jesus has been born. Wise men have come and seen Jesus, given their gifts. And Herod has not been able to figure out who this new king is. The wise men go home a different way and kind of leave Herod hanging. See, Herod is threatened by the prophesied new king. And so Herod works a plan to kill this new king. And God intervenes and provides means of escape for Joseph and Mary, and they go to Egypt. So Herod's plot is foiled, so he causes destruction. Once Herod has died, Joseph and Mary eventually return to Nazareth and come out of Egypt. And while those are the facts, what's fascinating about this story is Matthew includes two Old Testament references that help us understand the weight that is found within the story. And so he references two sections of Scripture that were used to remind the Jewish believer that there is help to hope in the midst of hurt. As we look at this story, we, we see death, we see pride, we see frustration and fear and pain. Experiences and emotions that are common for us today. They're not foreign to us. And so the first passage that we find ourselves looking at, that, that Matthew quotes, is actually Hosea 11.1. 1. In that particular context, Hosea, a prophet to the nation of Israel, is talking about God's deliverance of his people from slavery in Egypt. So a prophet is talking about a story of old, a story of God's promise and fulfillment of that promise where he delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. If you're unfamiliar with the story, God delivers his people out of bondage, out of slavery in Egypt using ten plagues. It was a deliverance that God sealed when they, they crossed through the Red Sea. So out of Egypt, God saved his people. Out of Egypt, God saved his son, God's child, came. Every year, God's people recounted this story of God's rescue and redemption of the people, where, where, where they were, were made new, where, where they, they were restored, where, where they found their freedom because of God's deliverance. And so they would tell this story over and over and over again, year after year, to the generation and generation after that. They would tell them to their children about how God mercifully delivered his people. And this deliverance became a picture of what was to come in the future. So when, so when life seemed overwhelming, when, when it seemed confusing and chaotic, they slowed down and they paused at strategic times throughout the year, and retold the story of God's faithfulness. They shared about how God was faithful in the past, 
how God had promised that he would be faithful to them, to their rescue in the future. And God had told them that, that if they didn't anticipate that they would have people in their lives who did not know what God had done, that they would have people who had forgotten or live as if that story wasn't true, then they would return to a place of bondage and brokenness. They had to remember that, that, that if they didn't tell these stories again of God's past faithfulness, that they would forget and people would become unaware of who God is and what he had done for them. And so Matthew quotes Hosea 11.1 and Hosea's recount of this story to remind the people that God was fulfilling his promise. And so the life of Jesus in this tragic moment creates a parallel of God's miraculous deliverance. Jesus initiates a new exodus. Just as God delivered people from physical bondage, God was providing a way to deliver us from the bondage that holds us captive called sin. And just so we're clear, sin is living under our own authority, determining what's right or needed in our lives through our own eyes. And so whatever is holding you captive, God provides a way out. And to help us understand how God provides us a way out through Jesus and how that story of who Jesus is and what he has done for us and how that's being fulfilled in Jesus, we need to remember just as God was calling out his son out of Egypt that we are called God's children. And it means something when we understand our relationship to God through Jesus, because Jesus initiates a new exodus, thus he identifies with us just as he had identified with God's people and the story of God's people being brought out of Egypt. And so I want to just read a prayer. And I want you to reflect on that prayer and how Jesus' identification with us calls us and invites us to be free from the, the bondage of approval, from the bondage of control, from the, the bondage of, of clamoring for, for power, and ultimately the bondage of feeling that we need to have satisfaction right now. The prayer says this, In Christ there is nothing I can do that would make you love me more, and nothing I have done that makes you love me less. Your presence and approval are all I need for everlasting joy. As you have been to me, so I will be to others. As I pray, I'll measure your compassion by the cross and your power by the resurrection. Amen. That's a powerful prayer when we begin to understand how Christ's identification with us invites us and encourages us in the moments that we feel overwhelmed and that we feel the temptation to buy into the hype, to, to escape what, what, what feels fuels our world today, that ultimately the only thing that provides the true satisfaction, that provides the true escape, that provides the true exodus from what binds us is Jesus. And so Matthew's quotation of Hosea 11.1 sets the stage for a second quote from Jeremiah 31. 
Here Matthew is recounting the weight and the tragic loss of life in Bethlehem by reminding his audience things still aren't as they should be because this is an event that has happened before. In Jeremiah 31, the prophet is referring to when God's people were taken into exile. The Babylonians came and attacked, killed and destroyed. They took people to a city called Ramah, and their people were put into caravans and scattered apart from one another. A scene of unimaginable anguish, filled with imagery from stories about how Rachel had died in childbirth and the pain it caused, she takes on the symbolic role of weeping as they are taken into captivity. And Jeremiah 31, Rachel's tears, the tears of exile, have reached their climax in the tears of the mothers of Bethlehem. Matthew recognizes the tragedy of this moment. That as we look around in our world and we see death, that we see pain and we see brokenness, and, and we, we, we go, God, where are you? Have you forgotten us? Why haven't you intervened that we are able to see that God is actually present? God is actually present in the tragedy. In other words, with Jesus, the tears are finally coming to an end. Matthew knows and cites this passage because unlike most of the book of Jeremiah, this chapter is not one of sorrow, but of hope. Matthew wants his readers to know that with the coming of Jesus, the time of exile is coming to a close. For many people, the news of exile coming to a close because of the disorienting nature of our world is great news. It is great news. That from a time of wandering and confusion, that we can find rest and are brought home. But I'm not totally sure we understand exile we don't do exile well in fact we almost reject that exile can be a thing that's true for christians in other parts of the world but not for us how dare we even think about us in america in the west from the comfort of our own homes from the comfort of our couches from the comfort of wherever we watch this gathering we can't be an exile we need reminded that we are in exile, that our frustrations and our fights come because we have forgotten. We buy into the hype to distract and escape. We give into hate to justify. See, we remember our hurt when God wants us to remember our hope. When we are hurt, we give into the the desire to escape through the seeking out of hype or we give in to the lashing out through hate through the judgment and the evilness towards others we, we cling on to bitterness when when we think of how others have hurt us because of the brokenness of our world and and and, and we internalize that and we dwell on that and we and, and we we think this is wrong, and it, and it is wrong, and we need to recognize that that's not the life, this is not the world that God designed, and, and we get angry, and we get upset, and we, we grow fearful. And so whether it's escape, or recluse, or, or hide, or lash out, as we do all of these things, because we're forgotten, 
that we're in exile, that we're not home. See, hope doesn't erase the hurt. It helps while we hurt. Hope heals ourselves and heals others. It reminds us about a truth. That while both the exodus and the exile are formative, a place of wandering, there's a time stamp on both. That while you may feel like you are in bondage, that there is freedom found in Jesus. That in our wandering, in, 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 our, in our time of exile, even while we, we feel maybe comfortable at times, there's a time stamp on that before we're jostled back into reality and remember that we have to cling to a hope that transcends our hurt. See, the exodus is about finding a way out. And exile is about finding a way back. And we need a guide for both. We need to be reminded that Jesus identifies and intervenes in a broken world so that we can show others the way out and the way back to God. We have to connect the dots. We have to make the picture. Maybe, here's what I mean by that. Think about this. You've seen those activity sheets where where all the dots are numbered. And you go around and you start at one and you go to two and you go to three. And and eventually as you connect those dots, you you make a picture of what it's supposed to be. And and sometimes you can kind of make out the picture without connecting dots. You can can give a conjecture on, on what it might be, but ultimately, the only way we're truly able to see what the picture is is when the dots are connected. And we're able to see the beauty of the picture when we color in the picture. In our lives, we must play connect the dots. If we don't connect the dots for how Jesus is shaping our lives in this moment, then others may try to connect them for us and miss the picture entirely. So how do we connect the dots? We connect the dots through our everyday conversations. When we have the opportunity to give a reason for what we are doing or how we are choosing to act, we trace it back to a promise or a principle from Jesus' life, from the Bible. And so you may find yourself in conversation each and every day, and you may be wondering, uh, you know, as people talk about cultural things or or talk about why they're doing what they're doing or their their hopes they may talk about their fears or their dreams then as you share yours or share a story from your life you're able to share maybe how God was present maybe how how you were fearful or uncertain but you chose to live out a principle of God's word and God showed up or maybe even how you you have confidence in who God is and what he is doing for you when that answered prayer hasn't come through yet or when things haven't worked out the way you had hoped and you would display a confidence that transcends that moment. That's why we've been asking the question on what Christmas means to you. That's why we've been inviting people to share and send us in videos about about stories that they have from from their childhood or or sweet Christmas moments. 
to practice telling the story, to be able to trace back the good moments that we have, even how we have seen God work in our lives, to practice that storytelling so that we can connect the dots, so that we can help give a reason for the hope that we have, that it is Jesus. See, the work of Jesus in our lives is obscured to others because we haven't connected the dots. People miss the point as they observe our lives every single day. And we must make it obvious to the oblivious. Let me say that again. If we're not intentionally connecting the dots in our lives back to the way of Jesus and the hope that we have because he stepped out of heaven, was born, and provides a way for us to escape bondage and provide a way out of exile back to God, then people will miss it. And so we must make it obvious to the oblivious. For those who are unaware that there is a way out of sin and bondage, there is a way out of the approval trap, there is a way out of the hype trap, there is a way out of the pervasive anger and the fight in our world. Make it obvious to those who are unaware that Jesus provides the answer. To the ones who have forgotten, we're able to to remind them that the satisfaction they seek in in substances and other ways by by trying to navigate this life in isolation or on their own, that that Jesus provides a way that, that through the exodus and out of exile, we do that with community and that Jesus is our guide. And we make it obvious to the oblivious and the aid to the ones who live as if it isn't true to say, yeah, I see that Jesus is supposed to be our guide out of the exodus and out of exile. But I would rather live a different way. See, we have others in our lives who fall into these categories, the unaware, those who have forgotten, or who those who live as if that truth isn't true And we must connect the dots for them by personally listening to God, remembering his faithfulness and retelling those stories and inviting others to hear those stories of God's past faithfulness, how he has brought us out of bondage and into freedom. How constantly when we find ourselves in exile and and overwhelmed and disoriented, that we find our way through by following Jesus. Because we know that he doesn't stay at a distance, but in in the tragedy of our lives, he actually intervenes and is present. And he identifies with us, not as one who is unaware of the exile or unaware of being in a place that's foreign. Because that's the beauty of what Matthew tells, is that Jesus goes to Egypt. And experiences the exodus out of that. He he is brought out of that for us. And he shows us a way back to God. So this is what Matthew is doing for us. That if you are unaware, God isn't distant or removed from your life. He is present in your pain. And his presence can show you a way out. 
If you've forgotten, if you've felt overwhelmed by this moment, God is reminding you that he has been faithful before. And maybe you feel like God quite hasn't been faithful in your life, and that's where we're able to look at his faithfulness in the sending of his son, Jesus. We need to be reminded of that truth. The way are we reminded of this truth is by listening to the others and the retelling of where God has been faithful so that we're able to have hope in the midst of our hurt. And if you are someone who is fully aware of the hope that Jesus provides and you're living as if that isn't true by chasing the hype or giving into spite, the good news is that God can turn what you meant for destruction against yourself or others. He can turn tragedy into a rescue story. And the only way is to choose to have hope in the midst of your hurt. See, Herod was insecure about his place in history and was threatened by a baby. And so he felt that he had to take power for himself. And in his insecurity and in his desire to hold power, ultimately, that is what did him in. Here's the good news. You don't have to be Herod. You don't have to give in to that temptation. You don't have to stay in the bondage of your insecurity. You don't have to stay in the bondage of, of, of feeling you have to maintain power. But you can actually find your way by following Jesus. And we can help each other here by the retelling of stories of how God has been faithful and reminding each other there's nothing that we can do to make God love us any less nor what we can do to make God love us any more. That his presence and approval are all we need for everlasting joy. And that as he has been to us, we can be to others. And that we will measure true compassion by the cross and true power by the resurrection. What God wants to make abundantly clear for you is that he sent Jesus into this world to go through both exile and exodus to show us the way out and give us a way back to God. That the experience of death, exile, are very real and there's hope for your future. And that hope is here. That hope is found in Jesus. Jesus has come. And the tears shed by the mothers in Bethlehem initiate the reign of the one who will shed the tears of blood for the forgiveness of sin and who will eventually, in the restoration of all things, wipe away every tear. There is help for hope in the midst of your hurt. And his name is Jesus. Let us be a people who retell his story. And retell his story of faithfulness in our lives. 